So there is, without question, a rising urgency around sustainability. You know, just look at the corporate world, which has fully embraced the movement. Because not doing anything at this point is just seen as too risky. But what is actually being done? One area where I think we've all seen this question bubbling to the surface is logistics. It's one of the industries that moved into the spotlight during the pandemic. You know, supply chain disruption, increased online deliveries, you name it. Now, those same-day deliveries aren't without a cost to the environment. And while there are voices at the extreme saying we should stop deliveries altogether, the rise of e-commerce looks set to continue. So, can we have all those deliveries and keep to those green promises coming from governments, companies, and investors? Well, this is what we're talking about on today's show. My name is Art Patnode. I'm the Global Content Director at JLL. I'm joined by Alexis Bateman, the director of MIT's Sustainable Supply Chains Lab, and Michael Ignatiades, head of supply chain and logistics solutions at JLL. Welcome both. Hello. Hi, Art. Alexis, I wanted to start today with you. We're talking about sustainability, climate change, logistics, these big sprawling topics. You know, just what kind of impact on the environment are we talking about when we're talking about e-commerce or B2B logistics operations? You know, can you help break that down? Yeah, so if we're focusing, you know, really on the different you know, parts of e-commerce, so that would be, you know, the buildings that store the products, that's the vehicles, uh, whether it be trucks, whether it be ships, whether it be rail, air, that move those products at different points of the supply chain, uh, middle mile to last mile, all the way to the consumer's house. And then there's the packaging, obviously, in terms of the, po- the, the product that it's carried all the way to the, you know, all the way to the house. And so those are sort of the uh, all-encompassing pieces that that are involved in uh, e-commerce and have both environmental and social impacts. I, I think there's a, a, a growing awareness about that, but equally, you know, as you, as you began the session with talking about, there's also awareness on the corporation side to say, you know, how do we address these issues? So there's, uh, you know, uh, also the effort to kind of account for those impacts. So what are our, our biggest impacts in terms of, you know, emissions, in terms of uh, other emittents and pollutants that they're releasing to the air, packaging and, and increasing levels of waste and, and, and returns. And so a lot of different issues ongoing there. It is a huge area, it seems to me. And I'm actually really interested in what you had mentioned back there, because the transportation piece for me, is what I feel like I see when I'm when I'm a recipient of you know the end user of that long supply chain, um, and I guess are we really just talking about you know carbon emissions from trucks and vans here at the end of the day, uh, Michael? Do you? Yeah, I guess that's that's what um, the the consumer sees, right? They they see that van, that uh, truck coming for the delivery uh, one one other thing that we don't see is the the uh, the real estate component the, the buildings the construction needed to get that all that inventory to us so so typically you know before before that right alexis we had you know big, big pallets big trucks everything was a bit more linear more uh, easier in a way and now we have this you know anything can be delivered anywhere anytime fulfillment um, so, so that means we need to have uh, more inventory. We need to have more locations, more buildings, more construction. And I guess considering that uh, a third of 
CO2 emissions are from the building and construction industry. That's that's definitely another area of, of impact. In some of our past work, we looked at you know sort of the the shopper. Uh, so we're looking exclusively from the shopper and how they behave. So are they ordering exclusively online? Uh, do they go to the store and make multiple trips? And so there's a lot of kind of nuance in terms of how we're accounting for the impact. So if you're a, a person that goes to the store every single day and you buy one item, you actually may have a relative, you may have a relatively larger impact than if you're the person that buys all of your uh, products online in one shopping and, and there's an aggregation that arrives at your door. So it's actually kind of interesting when you started to the nuance that, uh, you know, of, of what is better, whether it's e-commerce delivery to house or uh, actually you know, buying uh, you know, how your, your kind of uh, shopping behavior. But, but that said, the, the resources behind kind of the bigger picture you know, is growing in intensity, absolutely. That's really interesting. I hadn't thought about that small shop versus big shop metric that you would have to account for as well that maybe doesn't as isn't determined by you know did you get it delivered or are you in store that's pretty interesting mm-hmm. yeah um and and while we're on this i just so just backing up slightly because a lot of this feels also in my mind that it comes to the e-commerce conversation a lot and michael you had mentioned you know this is much bigger than this and there's also the whole b2b logistics operations going on as well but the e-commerce one is the one that seems to be in the spotlight and i just want to know at the end of the day, is it the growth of the e-commerce uh, trend that is kind of pushing this conversation towards sustainability and the environment? Uh, yeah, yeah, sure. I guess, I mean, the, during the last year, right, the, the, the pandemic pushed everyone more towards e-commerce. So even myself now, I guess I, I buy most things from, from, from Amazon, Amazon Prime here in Singapore. But it has made us also see the the impact and the kind of those external costs like uh, packaging that Alexis mentioned. So, so you have two, yeah, you have two providers in Singapore. One actually uses a lot of packaging and a lot of uh, cold storage packaging when you deliver, and the other, the the competitor uh, doesn't. So I think that 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 uh, brings a question to the consumer of what happens to, to all this packaging why should we be using so so the um, uh, how do you optimize that um, uh, whereas beforehand i think with uh, you know when you clicked on a on a button right you you, you don't see what happens bef- behind it and you don't you don't care that much but now you 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 see the impact on your doorstep for us, we saw this growing awareness for for several different reasons. You know, one of which was uh, people in COVID nineteen times actually, as you, as you earlier mentioned, recognized what a supply chain was and what logistics meant, and that there were workers on the front line. Uh, that ran our supply chains and they had to go to work despite the risks. And so I think the prominence of supply chains and especially logistics as UPS drivers became sort of, you know, pseudo heroes in terms of delivering our products during lockdowns, uh, these this really brought that prominence to say supply chains are important, but they also have a huge scope of impact. Yeah, yeah, and I guess uh, I've I've seen um, MIT is doing a lot of research on this topic, right? On on sustainability and supply chains, and uh, I came across this green button project. That mm. um, I'm not I'm not sure if you if you want to share a bit more on that. It, was, it sure. sounded very interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so my colleague Josue Velasquez Martinez is doing a great project, and so what he was trying to look at is, uh, and and they have it ongoing, and it's a great project, which is to look at 
if the consumer has a choice, will they take a slower delivery if they know what that slower delivery will equate to an environmental impact? So they did a lot of testing here to really see what resonated with the consumer. Instead, you know, at some point they were translating, if you if you receive it in two hours, you know, this many grams CO2, uh, you know, if you if you receive it in this many, you know, this this how many this is how much uh, impact it will have. But what they really identified was that CO2 wasn't really resonating to the cons consumers because the late consumer didn't really know what that meant. So they were trying different, uh, you know, emotive factors. And so at the end of the day, they, they landed on trees, you know, so at, at least one of the experiments was saying, you'll save this many trees if you'll receive your package one day later. And so they tried it and really the, the, the outcomes were quite significant, you know, in terms of what consumers would do, you know, that they would actually pick the later date, understanding that trees might, you know, that, that you know, the, the impact of a tree would be would be lessened, you know, if we were equating it to trees in terms of emissions. And so it was interesting to see, you know, in, in a real kind of uh, a setting, what a, a consumer would would change their behavior to do. Would they do that in every, you know, uh, setting, you know, regardless of outside of, a, of an experimental factor? We don't know, but, um, you know, this was a really good kind of highlight to say that this, this is a potential to inform the consumer about what the impact of their deliveries have and how they could have an influence on that. Do you think that's something that the corporate world is going to take up there is different you know options that are being experimented on you know can we can you just choose to have it you know aggregated in fewer boxes fewer trip, trips so uh, there's definitely I think uh, options right now that are in trials uh, I don't think anyone's ready to kind of say you know slow down your shipment because you want to save some trees I don't think they're that there yet, but I think there are some pilots uh, ongoing to test out whether they would be. And I think that's an interesting point, uh, Alexis, uh, that the consumer doesn't think about efficiency. He doesn't want to be efficient himself or herself, but the um, Amazon, the, the, the operator, it's, it's all about efficiency. And usually efficiency equates to uh, less waste uh, and less harm to the environment. So in a way, we choose to be less efficient. We choose um, and and it's up to, at the end of the day, it's it's up to us as well, right? It's not just right. up to Amazon. Mm -hmm. Yeah, well, it's like you know, in in business, right? They're they're going to follow consumer demand, right? I mean, that's that's been the way of the world, and it will continue to be the way of the world until until it isn't. But uh, you know, if as long as the consumer still wants something in two hours, and it's going to provide a business competitive advantage to deliver in two hours, they're still going to offer that. But you know, do you need that in two hours every single time? Is there something really urgent one time, but on the whole, you could get one shipment a week? I think these are choices that perhaps that, you know, personal behavior could shift. That said, I think there's obviously the the infrastructure behind all of those deliveries that is improving, you know, whether it be electrification or renewable fuels. And so I think there's efforts in tandem to, you know, other than just uh, opting to slow down the delivery cycle. Yeah, I know that's really interesting. And it actually, because this is very much then focused, it seems to me, on some of that transportation aspect. But Michael, at, at the beginning of our conversation, you had also mentioned, you know, the actual physical warehouse space, and uh, which, which is a big component of this as well. So I was just curious, you know, are you seeing anything on that front um, moving that sustainability push forward? 
Yeah, yeah, sure. I think and we have quite a few examples in Asia Pacific. I mean, generally in Asia, you have a very small percentage of what we say grade A modern warehouses. So essentially, if you don't have a modern warehouse, you, you will not have all the sustainability uh, features around it, right? You won't have solar panels. You don't have, we don't have, you won't have a translucent roof sheeting. You won't measure your energy consumption, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but we we do see examples, let's say in Japan, for example, there's a, there was a last year there was a six-story uh, uh, warehouse in in Osaka, and it was, that was 400,000 square meters, and you know what they call them is human-centric, right? You can you, you could go to the restaurant with a, it was on top floor with a view, and you don't know you don't realize you're in a logistics facility, so. Um, so from the human point of view, from the environmental point of view, th these facilities are being built. And, and for example, this one was 70% uh, pre-leased you know, before completion. So, so there is a demand um, in, in Indonesia, in Jakarta, uh, in, there is a few uh, multi-story facilities that are just being built, you know, new for the country. Uh, modern facilities are also you know, fully leased. So there is a demand for modern grade facilities. Uh, which will allow for more sustainability features to be to be present. Is there what else is something that it, you know with the physical warehouse that you could? Am I going to use the right word? Install? I don't know. Incorporate? You know what? What would be the thing that would make that warehouse more sustainable? Well, the start is is you have to track all these metrics. So 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 a lot of the times these are not properly tracked. So I would say that's something to, to start with. Um, and the other thing is, is, you know, solar panels. And that's something that we see um, even the, some of the big developers in China. So GLP and Brookfield have actually, they have a partnership and they want to become the largest rooftop solar power provider in China. So putting basically solar rooftops um, everywhere. So, so yeah, I would say solar, solar is key. There's going to be a cost to implementing, you know, to putting those tools or installing the photovoltaics or whatever it might be. You know, are these expenses something that, uh, Michael, you see, you know, uh, property owners or investors willing to, to splash out on? Uh, and from the transportation side, maybe one for you, Alexis, is this something, are these costs something that people are going to be willing to stomach? Uh, well, from the from the real estate side, usually the, the landlord expects the, um, the the capital cost to be amortized through the uh, through the rent through through the lease. Um, so there's a rent premium there, um, and a lot of the times, especially if you want to retrofit anything, you you basically you do it in tandem with your with the tenant. So that's always a challenge, right? Uh, and sometimes it's it's not worthwhile the cost to retrofit in an existing old warehouse. Uh, versus going to a new warehouse, so so there are some kind of uh, challenges. Not straightforward. You need essentially the the investors, the landlords, the tenants, all to work together, even the government as well, uh, to 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 be to be kind of to collaborate uh, for this. Because yeah, it, at the end of the day, it it has to be a um, a very kind of comprehensive solution, and uh, it, it's 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 not easy. Um, but the as you said, right? If you track it, if you measure it, you you, you can prove there is a there is a impact to your to your bottom line because you know uh, sustainability equals efficiency equals uh, cost reduction. And and Alex, I guess that's even more so for transportation, right? 
Similarly, in the transportation industry, if you're, you know, trying to decommission a, a polluting truck and you're trying to replace that with a, you know, more, uh, a, a more, in, you know, a newer truck that has less emissions and or, you know, an electric truck or, you know, a renewable fuel uh, options uh, that, that is going to cost more. And so the challenge one is to see, can we model out, you know, whether the ROI will be, you know, in, in a few years beyond that, you know, what does that look like if we, we can stomach going a little bit further out than that? So before we um, close out here today, I just want to, there's one subject that I think we need to touch on, and it's one of these last frontiers, and this is that whole last mile urban logistics piece. Um, and I think we touched on it slightly at the beginning, um, but I, I, I want to ask, you know, this seems to be where things are moving, especially in terms of those deliveries. And I just want to know, you know, what are the trade-offs here with, cost. I, I know we touched on this a bit, but that service level, right? Um, Alexis, you were saying, can you can you expect to, will consumers be okay with a day or two delay of their deliveries? And 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 ultimately that CO2 footprint, you know, what are the trade-offs here and how is that going to work in our global cities? Yeah, so I think that's a question of the times, right? So, uh, uh, you know, there's, there's a lot of experimentation in terms of how we can, one, move some of the, uh, you know, uh, different types of fulfillment in terms of closer to the customer. Can we use different, you know, modes of vehicles, smaller format trucks, uh, 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 you know, electric bikes. Of course, everyone's heard about drones, right? Is that going to solve some challenge here? Uh, you know, I haven't done any emissions counting on that, but certainly, and it's, it's a, you know, under inquiry. Uh, other other format, which you know, uh, many of the e-tailers have been trying over time, which is, do you need it to your house? Will you come pick it up at an aggregate locker spot so that we don't that not not that kind of last last mile doesn't need to happen, but they can instead you know some, you know bring packages in bulk to one of their you know retail outlets. Uh, so lots of different uh, trade-offs in terms of one, what are the emissions factors here? How fast it can reach the consumer? And then, of course, the the consumer behavior piece. But I think there's a lot of different trials on each one of these on what is going to be most, uh, you know, effective in terms of both still getting the product to the consumer, but also potentially reducing uh, impact, environmental impact, and, and of course, you know, cost as it is to the business. So I'm afraid today that we are uh, out of time. But I have one last question for you both. If you could pick a single thing in your mind that would really move the dial here. What would that be? Uh, for me, it would be uh, kind of investors, landlords, tenants, and and the government kind of sitting together and and looking at their cities and how would last mile, how would fulfillment look like, and what would be the impact in their cities, and what would be a let's say a sustainable way forward. I think the key issue is, you know, to make sure that the that these goals are actually being achieved, that these um, these commitments and these these big objectives that are being set out now, because it it, it you know unfortunately seems trendy uh, and sustainably can't be a trend. And so I think keeping that pressure on, finding the right tools to actually you know, achieve those commitments and, and really kind of continuing this momentum that, that began, you know, you know, I, I've been looking at this for many years, but really have seen the biggest uptick that I ever have, you know, really in the, in 2020, 21. So really keeping, keeping these commitments on and making sure that, that we're actually getting to where we need to go. I like that sustainability can't be a trend. It's an aspirational note to end <laughs> on Alexis. Alexis, Michael, thank you so much for joining us today. And thanks to all our listeners 
who tuned in. We welcome your feedback on the views shared and hope that you'll join us on our next podcast.